the La Crosse Public Library Archives presents Dark Lacrosse Stories, a series in collaboration with the La Crosse Tribune. Dark Lacrosse is a suite of programs that feature the seedier side of lacrosse history and also include a downtown walking tour, a trolley tour, and an annual stage production with new content each year. The community is deeply saddened and convulsed today over the word that Joseph Donlinger lost a good fight for his life within a week after duty had cast him in the role of defender, standing shoulder to shoulder against a mad gunman invading the city. Joe Donlinger had been on the force for eight years. He had come to be a highly respected officer, unfailing in his devotion to duty and well-liked in the department in the community as well as for integrity and the sincere manner with which he addressed his work. Joe Dondinger lost his life in the line of duty as a law enforcing officer of this community, and the community is grateful for his duty, but sorely distressed at his death. The story of Joe Dondinger is one of faithfulness, of unwavering loyalty to his commission, whether in inconsequential routine of work by day or in duel with a gunman at night. In both, he measured up in outstanding fashion with broad shoulders and the alert mind that were his. That is the obituary of my good friend and partner. Now, December 5th, 1937, just after midnight, will forever be indelibly stamped in my mind. My name is Officer Granville Smith. My friends call me Granny. It was a routine traffic stop. This guy, Floyd Wagner, blew through an arterial at 5th and Jackson. It was a simple ticket, but since this guy was from out of town, we had to take him downtown. The guy looked harmless. I got on the passenger side of the car, and Joe was to follow in the black and white. We were following standard police procedures. Then, at 5th and State, this guy Wagner pulled out a gun and started demanding for directions to the bridge over the river. Joe, behind us, knew something was up and gave chase. Joe picked up Jim Christie and Paul Snyder, two buddies of ours on the force, and they came like hell's fury to try and save me. They were shooting and trying to take out the tires. Finally, they rammed the car, and we came to a stop 200 feet from the Minnesota border. Wagner jumped out. I was right behind him trying to tackle him to the ground. Jim and Paul's service revolvers were empty. Joe ran in front of the squad car and started firing. Just as I got Wagner to the ground, I saw my partner convulsing from gunshots. He got hit in the chest, right arm, and right leg. Joe hit Wagner three times in his right arm. I got on top of Wagner and pistol-whipped him into submission. Joe didn't look good. I got him to the hospital, and he got three blood transfusions from guys on the force. We'd have done anything for Joe. It wasn't enough, though. 
My friend and partner, Joe Dunlinger, is dead, leaving behind a wife and four kids. Floyd Wagner was tried for the first-degree murder of a beloved police officer. He was in town from Chicago with his cousin, Carl Wagner, and Robert Pond. Just before the incident, they were breaking into a safe at the Sears and Roebuck store. Floyd Wagner was the lookout and getaway driver. The two safecrackers most likely fled when they discovered Floyd and the car were gone. After the shooting, Wagner's car was searched. Police found suitcases for three men, stolen license plates, a metal strongbox containing coins, an electric drill, an extension cord, and a 30 caliber rifle loaded with hollow point bullets. On April 21, 1938, Floyd Wagner was sentenced to life in prison. After repeated appeals for clemency, he was released in 1947. In 1951, he got married and started a family. He was president of his local union and became active in politics. He died in Madison on June 16, 1977. And now I would like to welcome in Barry McKnight, the Programming and Community Engagement Coordinator for the La Crosse Public Library and former member of the Archives Department, who did some of the initial research for this story. One of the things I've most enjoyed uh, about working on Dark Lacrosse. Uh, in addition to the acting, was the investigation of the stories. Sometimes you might find an interesting anecdote and pursue it only to run into a dead end, that there wasn't enough to build a story on. Fortunately, that wasn't the case with the tragic story of the killing of Officer Joseph Dondelinger. What intrigued me about this story and made me pursue it was the mystery that unfolded in the newspaper articles. From the beginning, there was the question of why. A simple traffic stop turns into a kidnapping and dramatic gun battle with tragic consequences. Why? Why did it happen? Well, Floyd Wagner, the man who killed Dondelinger, he was an enigma. In the aftermath, while he was being treated in the same hospital that Dondelinger was fighting for his life in, Wagner gave conflicting statements on who he was. First used an alias, then claimed to have been a school teacher before saying he was a former Illinois highway patrolman. In reality, according to a 1930 census, he had worked maintenance for the Illinois State Highway Department. While in custody, he was recognized by Officer Rooney of the La Crosse Police Department as potentially being involved in a break-in at the G. Halliman Brewery offices back in 1933. Now, a few hours after Dondelinger's death, Wagner gave a confession to the DA and police officials. In it, he told how he had accompanied his cousin Carl Wagner and a man named Robert Pond from Chicago to La Crosse to rob the safe at the Sears Roebuck store, although he claimed to not know what store his accomplices wanted to rob. He confessed to stealing plates off a car at the Avalon Ballroom on the north side. He also stated that he had his hands in the air when Don Delinger came around the front and only shot after Don Delinger fired through the windshield. At the preliminary hearing, Wagner defended himself and cross-examined witnesses. At the trial, Wagner's attorney claimed that it was unknown who actually shot Dondelinger, implying that there was so much lead flying it could have been friendly fire. Later, at the closing of the trial, Wagner's attorney argued that the shooting was in self-defense. He said that Dondelinger was overzealous and, in ordering the other officers to fire, didn't care if Smith got hit. He also argued that Smith should have searched Wagner for weapons. The defense attorney also argued that Wagner was a sap, led astray by his accomplices. It was shame at his circumstances and panic that led him to pull the gun on Smith. The prosecution, in their closing arguments, 
said that Wagner's first instinct when questioned before and after the shooting was to lie. On April 21st, 1938, Wagner was sentenced to life for first-degree murder. After repeated appeals for clemency, he was released from Wapan in October of 1947 for time served after having his sentence reduced. The sentence was reduced by Governor Rennebaum after Judge Cowrie, who presided over the original trial, told him that he believed the killing was not cold-blooded, premeditated murder. By 1951, Floyd Wagner was married, had started a family, and had been elected president of his local union. He would continue to be involved in both labor and politics for the rest of his life. He never spoke of his past with his family, and they were unaware of the Dondelinger shooting until after his death in 1977. Now, if you've listened this far, you might still be wondering why this story is called The Secret. When originally produced on the stage during the Dark Lacrosse show, this was answered with a coda that was left out here regarding an incredible coincidence during the research process. One day, while researching the story, I was working at the archives desk in the library. I received an email that shocked me. It was from Wagner's granddaughter. By sheer coincidence, she emailed the archives department, saying she had uncovered something regarding her grandfather being arrested in La Crosse, but didn't know the whole story. I confessed to her that I was currently researching the story and gave her the details as I understood them. She was, understandably, shocked and saddened. Her family had no idea of her grandfather's past. It was a secret he had carried into the grave. Thank you for listening.